the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Donald Trump files a lawsuit seeking a special master to examine evidence taken during an FBI raid. Would you want the Department of Justice going through your boxes when they're investigating you? Dr. Anthony Fauci announces he will leave public service in December. Yes, there is a lot to be learned about our response to COVID. Dr. Fauci, perhaps you could tackle where COVID actually came from. Ford slashing 3,000 jobs as they try to transition to electric vehicles. It's all about streamlining operations. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, August 23rd. I'm Mike Scott. The legal team for former President Donald Trump is asking a federal judge to appoint a special master to ensure the Justice Department returns any of his private documents seized during the search of his Mar-a-Lago estate two weeks ago. A special master is a third-party attorney who can oversee the review of evidence that was gathered from the Trump home in the raid. Trump's team is also asking for a pause to the federal investigators' work related to the evidence until that review is complete. The filing is the first by the Trump team after FBI agents stormed the former president's home on August 8. The filing has been assigned to Judge Eileen Cannon, who was nominated by Trump in 2020. In that suit, the former president argues his constitutional rights were violated and that there may have been privileged materials seized. Robert Costa, chief elections and campaign correspondent for CBS, explains the process behind obtaining a special master. Usually after this kind of search, lawyers for a client will take only a couple days to decide whether they will request a so-called special master or a neutral party to review collected evidence to see if there are issues about privilege and conversations with lawyers. But they've waited about two weeks here to do this. We're told that this is likely coming sometime early this week, a motion to ask a judge to have someone else appointed to review and collect the evidence, possibly return the evidence. Uh, this is a, an effort by the Trump lawyers to do more, to try to figure out what the government has on its hands, but they have not filed it just yet. Costa says all eyes are on how much or how little will be revealed in the affidavit. That is what we're all watching this week here at CBS News. What does the government decide to do here at this courthouse behind me in West Palm Beach, Florida, come Thursday at noon? That's the deadline for the government to submit a proposal to the judge of proposed redactions that they would like to potentially release publicly from the affidavit that led to the search warrant used to search former President Trump's home. At this point, we're not sure the scope of the redactions that would be in this document. Does the government show a little bit more than expected, or does it 
essentially choose to show nothing. That's what we're all watching this week as the next chapter in this standoff between former President Trump and his lawyers and the government over this FBI search. As you said, though, it's, uh, this is something that raises a lot of concerns inside the FBI and the Department of Justice, not only because it's an ongoing investigation, but also because threats against FBI agents have spiked since this search took place. Alina Haba, a lawyer for the former president, joined Fox News to discuss the intent behind their filing for a special master. I think it's to be expected that we obviously have questions about the Department of Justice having their own filtering system to go through taint, as they call it. Uh, I don't know. Would you want the Department of Justice going through your boxes when they're investigating you? So what this calls for is what needs to be done. We need an impartial. That means not Republican, not Democrat impartial special master to go in there, take a look at what they seized, give back to the former president what is rightfully his, things that are clearly declassified, things that are also uh, privilege, attorney-client privilege from when he was in the White House, things that he should never have been seized, the passports. (laughs) We shouldn't have found that out after the fact. Haba explains what the Trump legal team sees as problems with the warrant that was issued. The problem is we have this incredibly broad warrant that should never have been in place in the first uh, in the first place. We have um, the magistrate judge we know was affiliated with Epstein. He went and signed this document, didn't care how broad it was. And now we have a problem. We've got documents where you have no identification, no idea what they have. And the former president didn't have a passport for a while. I've never heard of this in my life. Haba also says that increased threats against the FBI have nothing to do with Donald Trump because the former president supports all law enforcement. The former president, Donald Trump, is the biggest support of police, FBI, DOJ, whoever it is that is working for this government. He loves this country. So the fact that people are trying to now say, oh, his lawyers and the right wing media and everyone are trying to somehow incite some, you know, their January 6th thing us. Yeah. I'm not going to have it because yeah. he wasn't. He's supported of it, supportive of it. In fact, he would not release the identities or the pictures of the FBI agents that would be on property. He would never do that. He wouldn't release the tapes he of the raid? Only under seal and to protect the FBI agents because that's not his interest. His interest is to protect the agents, to protect the police, as we know. Right. But they'll paint us differently. Meantime, a federal judge has formally rejected the Department of Justice's request to keep the affidavit that led to the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago sealed. The judge cited, quote, the intense public and historical interest in an unprecedented search of a former president's residence. However, the Biden administration continues to argue that the investigation merits the affidavit remaining sealed. But Judge Bruce Reinhardt, who cleared the initial search warrant, said in a 13-page ruling Monday that the government had not given a strong enough argument for that request. China's economy has taken another hit as the country trimmed its lending rates again on Monday, one week after it cut two interest rates in a surprise move. Economic experts say that the moves are an attempt to revive credit demand in order to revive the economy. 
that has been bruised by extended COVID lockdowns and the problems that China is facing with massive property debt. The People's Bank of China cut its five-year loan prime rate by 15 basis points and lowered its one-year loan prime rate by five basis points. Last week, China's central bank lowered the rate of one-year medium-term lending facility loans to some financial institutions by 10 basis points. It also cut the seven-day reverse repo rate by 10 basis points. James Carafano, the director of the Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation and an adjunct professor at the Institute of World Politics, joined Fox Business discussing how the Chinese economy may impact its desire to absorb Taiwan. And it has, again, nothing to do really with what's going on in the United States or Taiwan. It has everything to do with what's going on in China. So at the at the party congress, in which Xi will reaffirm his leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, which controls the government and indeed everything in China, um, they're going to have focus on two issues, and they're and they're linked. One is Taiwan, because this is a nationalist issue for the Chinese. In addition to be really so strategically important that that they want to demonstrate to the Chinese people, we will fight to get Taiwan back. But the other is the economy. The economy is having some real issues. Uh, we, we see what's going on in real estate, uh, bankings, companies getting delisted, uh, 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 Chinese uh, people being concerned about spending and, and hoarding more money and savings. Carafano says that, in his opinion, China cannot afford to invade Taiwan. They want to be strong on the economy, and they want to explain to people that they're strong on Taiwan. So the real irony here is... If they actually did a military operation against Taiwan, if you look at all the economists' data, it would be devastating to the Chinese economy. So the one thing they really can't afford now is another massive shock to their economy. Mm -hmm. So they want to bluster about Taiwan, and they want to say, we'll fix the economy. That's the main message they're hearing. Ironically, they have a better message for their people in some ways that we have for ours. They're saying, we're going, to pro- we're going to protect stuff that we think is ours, and we're going to make the economy better. Well, you know, Biden is basically saying, we're going to have an open border. Anybody can come here. And I'm not really interested in, in peace through strength or really defending our interests. Carafano goes on to suggest that America will be more prosperous if we disengage from China economically. Well, I actually think we can do like we did during the Cold War, which was we can confront uh, an existential enemy and at the same time grow and strengthen and prosper. We just have to be smarter about it. We've been doing stupid risk assessment for over two decades now of being overly engaged and dependent on the Chinese economy, even as mm-hmm. the, the risks that that holds, that an understanding that China really does want a world without America, that we ignore that. And, and we just have to reverse that process. And I think our economy can grow and prosper. When we disengage more from the Chinese economy, in the long term, they'll suffer. Carafano does go on to say that the so-called Green New Deal recently passed would, in his opinion, make America more dependent on China. When you say we have to have a Green New Deal, we have to buy more solar panels, that's going to make us more dependent on China. Right. Their, their economy is way dirtier and they're producing these solar panels with slave labor, that's not the right way to get the American economy ready to compete over the long term. Carafano also says that the recently passed CHIPS Act 
which intends to invest in semiconductor chip manufacturing in the U.S., doesn't address the core issues that makes America dependent on China. We're not going to compete with China by by using China as an excuse to do political things and, 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 and giveaways. The chip sets a really bad precedent of industrial policy that all you have to do is say, is China bad? And we'll write a massive check for somebody. And it doesn't get to the core issue of how do we compete better? How do we improve the prosperity for everyday Americans? And how do we make sure China cannot hurt the U.S. economy? We have to take this seriously. And I'm afraid what the chips bill showed is this administration is exactly not doing that. On Monday, Dr. Anthony Fauci announced officially that he would step down from his post as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and as President Biden's chief medical advisor in December. The medical professional stated that he was simply moving on to another chapter of his life and that he was not retiring, saying in a statement, quote, I am announcing today that I will be stepping down from the positions of director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, as well as the position of chief medical advisor to President Joe Biden. I will be leaving these positions in December of this year to pursue the next chapter of my career. Leland Vittert of News Nation says that while Fauci is moving on to the next phase of his career, he should instead try to find the true origin of COVID-19. Well, just in time for the midterms or just in time for Republicans to take over the House and possibly begin their investigations, America's favorite doctor is retiring. But don't worry, Dr. Fauci won't leave us entirely. In a statement announcing he is leaving the NIH, he writes, I want to use what I have learned as the NIH director to continue to advance science and public health and to inspire and mentor the next generation of scientific leaders as they help prepare the world to face future infectious disease threats. Yes, there is a lot to be learned about our response to COVID. Dr. Fauci, perhaps you could tackle where COVID actually came from. Yeah, there's pictures of the lab in Wuhan. Who is to blame rather than continuing to protect the Chinese? Vittert explains that Fauci could, in his opinion, study a lot of failures of the CDC's response to COVID. He could investigate masks and whether they actually do anything. You might remember he wrote in February 2020 in email that, well, masks don't do anything to protect us from COVID. Maybe he could study the disastrous effects of school closings and remote learning. Those scars and wounds will continue to be paid by the youngest generation for a long time. Maybe he could cooperate with the Blue Ribbon Commission that, of course, is going to come soon to help the CDC reorganize. You might remember Dr. Walensky of the CDC admitted massive COVID failures last week and promised to do better. More later in the week on that Blue Ribbon Commission. But back to Fauci for just a second. Perhaps you could just relax in retirement at 81. It's been a long run. Go to Italy, play with your grandkids, let America rejoice in his self-professed greatness. Fauci has served under seven presidents and for 38 years on a variety of infectious diseases, including HIV AIDS, West Nile virus, anthrax, Ebola, and Zika, in addition to COVID-19. 
It was during the COVID pandemic that Fauci and the CDC came under fire for what many determined was an incoherent policy toward the virus. In fact, Republicans like Kentucky Senator Dr. Rand Paul have stated that he will pursue investigations into Dr. Fauci should Republicans take Congress in the midterm elections. For his part, Fauci has pushed back against the desire to investigate him, saying simply that, in his opinion, some are just really angry at science. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. There are some, you know, who really are swept up in conspiracy theories and distortions of reality and anti-science untruths that create a hostility towards me and the scientific community. If you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. Vittert says that Americans simply no longer trust Anthony Fauci. You are either with Fauci or you are anti-science. Well, if that is the dichotomy he sets up, a vast majority of Americans are against science because News Nation polling found two-thirds of Americans, two-thirds, do not trust him, which is sad considering he is truly extraordinary in so many ways. And we say this seriously, his work on the AIDS epidemic perhaps saved millions of lives. It was extraordinary. President Biden said in a statement, I know the American people and the entire world will continue to benefit from Dr. Fauci's expertise in whatever he does next. Whether you met him personally or not, he has touched all Americans' lives with his work. Ed Morrissey, host of The Ed Morrissey Show and managing editor at HotAir.com, says that Fauci is a cautionary tale, that public policy should not come from so-called experts. Anthony Fauci has announced his departure from his role with the NIH and, most importantly, as Joe Biden's chief medical advisor. By December, Fauci will depart these positions after 38 years in government. It's welcome news. Fauci serves more as a cautionary tale on the pandemic embrace of scientific leaders dictating public policy. While hardly alone and erring repeatedly, Fauci made himself the public face of a scientific technocracy that pushed top-down diktats and devastating lockdowns and access restrictions, almost none of which measurably improved public health. As Biden's advisor, he pushed unconstitutional mandates with little or no scientific foundation, leading the pushback against those who dared question these eventually discredited policies. The past two years have provided us with an object lesson on the failure of expert rule and why public policy should come from elected officials accountable to citizens. Let us remember Fauci by ensuring we never produce his like in governance again. Tuesday is decision day for voters in several primary states. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason takes a look at the key primary races that we will be following. The primary elections feature two top Florida Democrats squaring off for the right to face popular Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. In New York, redistricting has left two longtime House Democrats, Carolyn Maloney and Jerry Nadler, competing for the same seat. In Oklahoma, Republicans will choose between two candidates competing in a runoff to be their party's nominee to replace retiring GOP Senator Jim Inhofe. Rich Thomason reporting. 
On Monday, Ford Motor Company confirmed it's laying off roughly 3,000 white-collar and contract employees, marking its latest effort to slash cost as it makes a longer-range transition to electric vehicles. Ford sent an internal email Monday to employees saying it would begin notifying affected salaried and agency workers this week of the cuts. The workforce reduction targets employees in the U.S., Canada, and India. Dominic Chu of NBC goes on to explain Ford's decision-making behind the layoffs. It'll be a total of 3,000 jobs being cut at Ford, both of which are in North America. 2,000 jobs for salary positions, 1,000 for agency or contractor positions. A spokesperson for the auto giant has confirmed that it began notifying affected workers earlier today. It's all about streamlining operations, and Ford says it needs to evolve for its future, guys. GE workers in Alabama are seeking to unionize. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on this developing labor story. Employees at the GE plant in Auburn, Alabama, submitted union cards to the Birmingham office of the National Labor Relations Board. It's an organization effort with IUECWA. The GE aviation plant manufactures aircraft engine parts and has 179 employees. To qualify for a union election, the NLRB requires signatures from 30% of eligible voters at a specific facility. The IUECWA indicated that more than 50% of workers have signed cards. Workers supporting the union say that pay, the the attitude of management towards workers and benefits are among the driving concerns of those seeking to unionize. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The Dow fell sharply on Monday in its worst day since June, as fears of interest rate hikes have returned to Wall Street. The Dow fell 643 points, the S&P dropped 2 percent, and the Nasdaq tumbled 2.5 percent. Investors are anticipating what could be a volatile week of trading ahead of Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's latest comments on inflation at the Central Bank's annual Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. Don Rocato, an economics professor at the University of San Diego, joined News Nation and says that markets are still down around 14% this year. We've had three weeks down, Nicole, where the markets have done pretty well. We're still about 14% down for the year, but they've made up about, you know, half of that over the last few weeks. So we've come a long way in a short period of time, and markets are not immune to gravity. That's what we saw today. Rocano explains the two reasons that he feels investors had a rough go of it on Monday. We have two villains in this plot, right? We First, we've got interest rates going up. We, you and I have talked about that over the last few months. And we have the economy that's starting to cool off, at least by some measures, by design, right? The Federal Reserve wants the economy to cool off with higher interest rates so that inflation comes down. So that's the game plan on the part of the Fed. And those two villains, rising interest rates and a cooler economy, means that investors today took it on the chin. Rocato says that the Fed isn't being very clear about where they're going with interest rates. That is causing some anxiety on Wall Street. Well, some clarity would be good. The Fed, is, you know, they, they, they speak what they call Fed speak, which isn't normal English that you and I talk. Um, but it would be good to get a clearer message about the direction of interest rates 
Um, it looks like we're going to continue these rate increases. That's not the question. The question is how big and how long, right? So that's what we're really seeking. Investors, Wall Street, that's what we want to know is from the Fed, what's the next few months look like in terms of increasing the price of money? Let's see how far they take it this week in terms of what they're going to tell us. And by the way, Nicole, they just may not know. They keep telling us, hey, it depends on the data. We kind of have to see how things shake out. Oftentimes, we put too much stock, pardon the pun, in what they say. When asked if the Fed's efforts to curb inflation are working, Rocato had this to say. I would describe it as a football game. It's almost football season. We're in the early second quarter. We have a long way to go. But the early indications to your question, Nicole, are yes. Yes, take a look at the housing market. It's slowed down. Some might even say the housing market's in a recession. Job market, still very strong, but not quite as strong as it was a few months ago. So early second quarter, we have a long way to go in this game. It looks like the Fed is getting what they want. Over 4,000 dogs have been rescued from a troubled Virginia facility that bred beagles for medical research and are really tugging at pet lovers' heartstrings. So much so, in fact, that an unprecedented demand for the research pups have taken the Internet by storm. Angela Speed, who's with the Wisconsin Humane Society, says they've gotten 62 of the 4,000 dogs being rescued from that troubled Virginia facility. The public interest in these beagles has been absolutely unprecedented. I've been with the Wisconsin Humane Society for 16 years, and I cannot remember any time when we've had this volume of calls and emails and messages coming into our shelter from people from more than 25 states. Speed says it's not just beagles that are being adopted. Due to the public traffic, other dogs are finding homes, not just the beagles. People are walking around dog adoption, locking eyes with the dog next door, and, um, and, a, and a love match is made that way, too. Speed says the 4,000 pups being rescued from that Virginia facility makes animal lovers want to own one. It pulls on the heartstrings because we all know that these dogs were bred to be experimented on. And um, for an animal lover, that really that, that hurts your heart. And finally, if there was any doubt, if there was still interest in the Game of Thrones franchise after the final season of the fantasy series Split Fans and is still hotly debated online, HBO has its answer. The cable channel announcing the first episode of its Game of Thrones spin-off, The House of the Dragon, recorded the network's biggest premiere of all time. HBO announcing that viewership reached 9.986 million across linear channels and HBO Max streaming on Sunday night in the U.S. alone. The original series closed out its run with 13.7 million live viewers on linear channels for the finale in 2019. Ahead of the premiere of the Game of Thrones spinoff, interest in the original series also peaked and was up 90% in July. New episodes of House of the Dragon will pop up every Sunday night at 9 p.m. until its first season ends October 23rd. 
Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.